On today's episode, the inconsistencies with a shoe expiry date. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back, Run Smarter Scholars. I have uh, some big news in the past 24 hours. The gym is uh, starting to make big movements. I have been living in Rosanna for the past like two months and the treatment room itself, if people aren't familiar, I'm converting part of my house into a treatment, a physio clinic and the treatment room had been done for a while. I'm starting to see some people come in and out and the gym itself, which is currently like just a rumpus room with my um, trainer, my bike, a couple of weights, the bench, um, a couple of therabands thrown around. That's where it is at the moment. But in the garage, I have my barbells, I have my weight plates, I have my um, storage racks, I have my um, rubber flooring that needs to go in and just got word yesterday that the squat rack is arriving on Friday, the mirrors are arriving on Friday and the the gym person who comes to fit out the gym is arriving next week on um, Wednesday. So hopefully, fingers crossed, if everything goes well, by Wednesday, I have the rehab studio, I have the gym. Um, I purchased a treadmill last weekend. After recording this in about an hour's time, I'm driving an hour to go check out some Pilates reformers because I'll get a Pilates reformer for the gym as well. So it's all coming together. Some big developments, big news. I thought I'd share with you guys because uh, if you've listened to the past episodes, I've been hanging for this to happen for a very long time. Then talk about doing classes in there, talk about doing... um, like seminars in there and teaching runners, teaching coaches, teaching health professionals, how to treat runners and big ideas moving forward. But before I get carried away too much um, and digress a bit too much, I have an interesting episode today that I want to talk about. And it's something, I think I did a blog on this maybe a couple of years ago, but it's something I still see quite prominent and thought it's best to have a podcast interview, a uh, podcast episode on it because yeah, I think it's it's very much worth worth talking about and this is just my thoughts on it. This is just my beliefs around it and I'm 
I'm open for you to interpret however you want and for you to have your own kind of beliefs. Uh, and yeah, we'll dive into it. So when I talk about shoe expiry dates, we're talking about when you need to replace your shoes or the advice that is provided when someone says, uh, these shoes are too old or you should think about getting new shoes. And there's a few different rules that some people follow, whether that's a runner or whether that's a shoe company um, or the, the advice for the shoe itself. And there's usually about four things that I can think of that I hear most often. One, it's a certain timed duration. Like some people say, you need to change your runners every six months or you need to change your runners every 12 months or 18 months. It's just time, the duration dependent. The second one I hear is mileage. That's probably the most common one. It's uh, you need to change your running shoes every uh, 800Ks or every 500Ks. Um, another very common one that I see, you need to change your shoes after it loses its cushioning that's probably another one that I guess maybe it, it's a little bit ill-defined, like when is losing cushioning. Maybe it's something that a runner, the, the running shoe <clears throat> company might not say, but a runner has this internal perception of, oh, it's losing its cushioning. I need to change it out. And the other one is just sole wear and tear. If there's um, some wearing on the sole underneath the shoe and you think, oh, it's time for new shoes. They're, they're the four ones I could just think of off the bat. You probably have others, but these are the four I want to discuss today along with a couple of other things. But this thought I'd share my opinion. The first one I want to talk about was the duration side of things. So you should change your shoes every 12 months. That's, uh, I've seen it. I've heard people um, talk about it. I talk to runners about their shoes and they say, oh yeah, I've had these for about 12 months. It's probably due to for a change. I think I can easily kind of bust this one or I think you can easily bust it as well because it, there's no indication of mileage. There's no indication of like what the runner is doing, how frequently they're running, what the terrain they're running on, what speed they're running, what their foot strike is. There's just no detail. There's not enough detail to warrant you need to change your shoes and there's just easy flaws there. Like someone could be a runner who runs once or twice a week. They run five Ks, they rack up 10 Ks per week. You could have a runner that racks up 60 Ks per week and that tread, that shoe is obviously going to wear out a lot quicker. So if we have a look at those two runners at the end of the 12 months, the first runner, their shoes are virtually going to be untouched compared to the second runner who's ramping up quite a high mileage. So time dependent just doesn't hold up. I think that's quite obvious. That's why I thought I'd talk about to start with and then move on to something a bit more complex because I think the mileage one, which is the second one I'm going to talk about is a bit more accurate because it is mileage dependent and, um, it still misses a few things, but if you, I'm actually not too sure what the general rule is or what the, um, the rules go by with shoe companies, how much kilometers before, before you should start swapping them out. I don't know what the general recommendation is probably about anywhere between 500 to a thousand Ks, maybe a bit more, not sure. Uh, but it does have its flaws 
there, there does have some inconsistencies I want to talk about because while mileage is quite accurate, two, we don't know what surface the runner is running on. It could be pavement. It could be running around a track. It could be a track athlete. Um, could be, I don't know, sand. I don't recommend you run on sand anyway, but um, a lot of people go on the beach and go for a run. Loose gravel, that's what I very first started running on. Um, and all of these affect, like interact with the ground, have a relationship with the ground differently and will wear out the tread. It will cause wear and tear of different areas depending on the surface that you interact with and depending on your foot strike, which is another point that this concept or this mileage um, recommendation doesn't consider, which is your foot strike or your running technique. And I see often short runners, often with a high cadence, often with reduced kind of flight time. Flight time is like when you push off the ground, the moment you push off the ground, you're actually in this um, double flight time. So both feet are off the ground at once. And you can take a, you can freeze frame a section of you running where both feet are off the ground and then you hit the ground with, with the other foot and that sparks that ground reaction force. But those who have a really reduced flight time, almost zero flight time. So some people, if they're, they are, tends to be shorter runners, tends to be a higher cadence, but they can just, just as their back foot is about to lift off the ground, their front foot has already made contact with the ground. And so if the the back foot hasn't lifted yet and that front foot has pretty much touched the ground, there's zero flight time. It's almost like speed walking. Um, but I do see runners that run like this and they've run for 12 months in shoes and their shoes look virtually untouched. They look brand new and again, would depend on the surface, again, would depend on the mileage, but these type of runners tend to have less of that wear and tear. They don't scuff the shoes like they, like that, like a runner who has flight time that collides with the ground with a, a bit of a higher velocity because they're coming from a, a, a flight time. They're, they're flying in the air and then they hit, hit the ground. So, there's a lot of different nuances in there, different different variables for us to consider. The other thing to consider if we're talking about technique is step width and the impact that step width does have. And I'll talk about my experiences in a second, but if you have a narrow step width compared to a wide step width, you're more likely to use less of the, the shoe surface when you very first make contact with the ground. And so if you can imagine, um, I talked about step width, you know, what was it, maybe six episodes ago, where if you have a narrow step width, you almost cut in, cut your shoe in towards the midline. So you're making contact with the outside of your shoe. And that's where the the shoe sole generates like most of the, most of the brunt force, whatever, surface you want to make contact with but if you have a wider step width and you contact more on the flat part of the sole that's distributing the the ground reaction force is distributing the interaction with the surface 
and can dissipate that wear and tear or dissipate the sole properties. And so it's less likely to wear out or it's going to wear out a lot slower. And this will all just depend on the runner. Um, again, cadence and impact. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Is a, is a factor that we need to consider and also overstriding. If someone is overstriding and producing that breaking force, that is uh, a force that's not necessary but if you do have that overstride, it's going to interact or change the, the properties or the, the impact that it has on the sole underneath the shoe. Particularly if you have like loose gravel and you are kind of skidding or scuffing the bottom of the shoe every time you make contact with the ground. You can sometimes see it. Uh, you, can, you can sometimes hear it when a runner runs past and they make contact with the ground. You can hear that scuff. They kind of skid a couple of centimeters every time they step, they skid forward. Um, and that's that's going to obviously generate enormous amount of wear and tear. And yeah, I'm sure there's science behind it. If we're still talking about mileage, like every, you need to change your shoes every thousand kilometers. I, I found one research paper just in my, um, my little documents and the the title was, I had it up here, here it is. The title is 17 years of running shoe testing in Germany, a series of biomechanical studies and just followed the developments of shoe characteristics or how they make shoes over the last 18 years. And they showed some properties. They say that like after, it was one of the older studies. Let me have a look. The title for this particular section is changes in shoe properties after 1000 kilometers of use. And it goes on to say, although not based on scientific evidence, a typical lifetime of a running shoe is considered to be approximately a thousand kilometers in Europe. And so like within they I think they comment on um, a couple of particular studies and tried to measure the deterioration of a running shoe quality after it's thousand kilometers of use and they used three different models. They use Adidas, Asics, Nike, um, and then had, I think it was about 20 male subjects run in them for a thousand kilometers and then just paid attention to the characteristics. And they found that all shoe models had an increase in pronation and they mentioned it was very small and below 10% degrees in pronation after a thousand kilometers of use. And this was in 2008. Um, I'm sure technologies, shoe technologies have advanced way beyond this, but it goes to show that it's, they said it's a very small pronation. Um, but nonetheless, even if it, even if a, a new, an old shoe as it's getting old increases the amount of pronation, whether that's a good thing or not still is a debate. And whether it's the shoe itself, the properties themselves does wear out is another debate to have because um, I think let's, let's go into the third one because this is sort of 
blending into my argument for theory number three, which is you should replace a shoe after it's losing after it's losing its cushioning. There's probably again, there's probably science behind this. There's probably, I think, I couldn't come across any, but I'm sure there's some um, studies to show that after X amount of miles, it loses a certain percentage of cushioning, and I think runners like the feel of new shoes. Uh, I think runners like the feel of it being a little bit soft underfoot and whether that's actually linking to a reduced, if it reduces the risk of injury is another debate to be had. I don't think there's evidence to show that. Um, I think it's easy to believe that cushioning and shock attenuation or shock absorption can reduce risk of injury, but the debate still exists Um, because in reality, I think in my opinion anyway, as the shoe gets older, not only do you adapt to the shoe, but the shoe adapts to you and it kind of just forms a really nice partnership in your running style because everyone runs slightly differently compared to runners. Some runners run a lot differently compared to others, but how you impact the ground, how you interact with the ground, the forces that you apply, the shoe itself is going to start um, having this wear pattern that's very similar. And let's just say if you are a heel striker and it starts like producing quite large amounts of force at the heel compared to the the toe, it starts to um, wear away at the the heel or wear away at the level of pronation and wear away at the, the toes where you push off. And you can even see sometimes with if you wear shoes and you have a look inside underneath the sole, you can see where your toes are. It's like a little imprint of your toes and little imprints of your heel sometimes. Um, but the shoe is adapting to you as well as you adapting to the shoe. And that's a pretty good thing to happen. If we know anything about adaptation, if we know anything about slow changes, if you all of a sudden, if you had um, a, a shoe that changed those properties, like all of a sudden the next day, if it had a higher arch or if it had a, a reduced heel drop, or if it had a, a hole in where your little toe is and you had to change your, your technique differently and you had to I guess, run differently with any, any of those changes, it's going to increase your likelihood of injury. However, over the months and years of this shoe slowly forming into your own individual type of running, you're slowly going to adapt to that. And that's a very safe way. If we know anything about not changing things too drastically, this is changing things very slowly over time as that shoe wears into your particular running pattern. And so... Um, after, I guess, losing its cushioning, um, you can argue because I don't think there's evidence out there to show that the more cushioning means that it reduces your risk of injury. I think there's quite the opposite. I've been told by people that I follow haven't come across these study yet, but I've been told that if you increase the amount of cushioning actually increases your ground reaction force, because when you push off the ground, you actually try and find a hard surface to push off because you want to push off a hard surface. You don't want to push off soft sand because that is the most inefficient way to generate force. And so if you have 
something really soft underneath your foot in your shoe, then you almost have to hit the ground harder for for all that soft surface to give in order for you to push off a stable surface. So uh, if you do have a soft shoe and you do find yourself hitting the ground harder, that might increase your risk of injury. I'm just making assumptions here, but um, that's why the debate still exists. And if you find the shoe comfortable, even though it's lost its cushioning, if you find it comfortable, it's probably not worth changing your shoe. Okay, the fourth one, which is very similar to what I've just discussed, but it's the the wear and tear underneath the, the shoe itself in the sole. If you pick up your shoe, um, turn it upside down, have a look at all the, the tread, have a look at the rubber or whatever it's made of, the sole of the, the shoe, and look at all the wear patterns and you think, okay, um, this is either too much, too much wear, probably should get rid of them. Um, this is probably closer to heading in the right direction than any other one that I, any other suggestion that I've talked about today um, because it is starting to, like you can have significant wear and tear of the sole. I've seen some horrific ones. I've seen people cut all the way through to the very last layer of their shoe. They're almost looking at their feet. They're almost, I can almost poke a hole through their feet. They, they probably need new shoes. Um, but I think a lot of runners change their shoes or think they need new shoes way too early because they see early signs of wear and tear underneath their soles because minor wear and tear is totally fine. J.F. Escoulier was um, one that recommended the... uh, I can't remember what he called it. It was like the wiggle test or something where you place your runner, you place your shoe, your running shoe on the table or on a soft, uh, not a soft, on a hard, flat surface and you just tap each um, corner of the shoe and see how long it wiggles for and if it continues to wiggle beyond like a couple of seconds, it means it's probably due for a new shoe. Whereas if you tap it and it returns to it, it just rocks a little bit but then stabilizes in less than a second you probably don't need a a new shoe and that's a very loose term it's a very loose test Um, but goes to show that sometimes there there can get significant wear and tear underneath the shoe that warrants getting a new shoe but like I said I do think people change their shoes after seeing low levels of wear and tear and think that's significant enough to warrant a new shoe I don't think it is Um, so, and then going back, just like if there is a bit of wear and tear underneath the shoe, it's kind of adapting to you and you are adapting to it. So, um, that's kind of a good thing. You have this tailored individualized piece of footwear around your foot when you run. I think that's a pretty good thing. I I want to talk about my experience because I've had uh, an interesting story to tell with the, this particular subject. So when I started running with minimalist shoes, I had um, and still have these Innovates. Uh, I think they're called 250 light. And because they're 250 grams, I think that's correct. Let me, no, I've just looked it up. So it's Innovate um, Bare X Light 150 and super, super light shoe. Absolutely love them. When I very first started running in them would have been six years ago. And back then I was living with my mum. 
I was living, I was running trails with very loose gravel and it was kind of like a, a trail bike path just with very, very loose rocks. I could hear myself scuffing every time, which I considered just a real, a good part of training because when I scuffed, I thought that I could try Well, I guess the surface that I was running on, I could hear my running a lot compared to pavement. And so I tried my best in on that surface to try and run as quietly as I can because the sounds are accentuated on that surface. I'm like, let me use this as a good training tool to run as soft as I can and sort of developed a, a what I call efficient running technique um, because sometimes you can slap the the pavement quite hard and it still sounds quite soft. It still sounds quiet, but there's no, it's accentuated in that surface. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I was running with on loose gravel, but I also had a very narrow slash crossover step width. And so not only was I running on this surface, not only did I have a narrow step width, but I also am, and still am, a four foot runner. So my, the part of my shoe that's just underneath my little toe, so the, um, we're looking at the midfoot, we're looking on the outer part of the shoe, that would be the one point that makes contact with the ground and would scuff on that terrain the first time every time with like a bit of a skid involved as well. And I was surprised at how much I was like chewing through shoes. I was absolutely chewing through them. I think I needed to change my shoes every like four months. And I kept going with the same shoe because I love them so much. And they cost like, at the time, they cost like $60. And I think they still cost $60. But anyway, um, Absolutely loved them, but was chewing through them. Absolutely chewing through them. And I have since, over the years, changed my terrain. I've changed my running style. I've probably changed my cadence. I think I've increased my cadence. And so now I run more on pavement. After dealing with um, my Pezanserine injury, I have made, which was, I don't know, four years ago, I've made the conscious decision to widen my step width. I now don't need to think about it. I have widened my step width to help with that. So my, I'm still a four foot runner. So I'll make contact underneath my toes or underneath my midfoot, but it's more on the center of my midfoot rather than on my little toe underneath my little toe. It's more widespread. And I have had these same shoes. So this is why it's a really nice case study because I've had the exact same brand model of shoe and they've lasted me more than three years. And that's with the same mileage. I'm just on pavement now. I have a wider step width, identical shoes, and I don't have any issues. I don't have many signs of wear and tear. As I've moved to Rosanna now, I'm now venturing out onto different surfaces. So most of it is still pavement, but starting to get some of that loose gravel track sort of surface every now and then. So I'll see how the shoes last. And I do have other shoes that are that are a bit more robust that I'll wear mainly for those, that terrain, but it's a very interesting study. I have, um, case study anyway, just me, uh, anecdotal, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, the mileage has stayed the same. 
the duration, um, I guess, like it, it obviously knocks out the first theory about certain duration, knocks out the theory about mileage, knocks out the theory about losing cushioning or sole wear and tear because like none of that's really happened. Um, and yeah, I thought that would be a nice thing to share. And I do have a couple of final tips about why these theories exist or um, when you should actually when I believe you should change your shoes and we'll dive into that in a second. Okay, let's finish this off. So why do these exist? Why do these theories exist? Why do these suggestions, recommendations of how often to change shoes, why do they exist? Uh, I think it's a combination of a bunch of things. It's uh, what people have been taught. So if you, um, if you hear from experts or health professionals or if you start working at a shoe store and your boss says this is how often you should change your shoes that's just what you believe that's what you've been taught and that's what you teach pretty simple um it'll it probably takes some cherry-picked facts as well um i could easily go to that article that i just pulled up before and say yes you should change your shoes every thousand k's um the authors and the conclusion conclude differently, but you can easily say to someone who's looking to buy a shoe, hey, did you know that your shoe loses 80% of its cushioning in the first 12 months and then you should probably get new shoes? That's an easy fact that you can extract from data um, without saying, hey, if you lose 80% of your cushioning, does that actually increase your risk of injury? Does it decrease your risk of injury? Uh, Does it increase your running performance or decrease performance? There's no, you can't point to that. So you can find some cherry picked facts as well. Uh, I think one of the big ones is shoe stores. They just just want to sell shoes. They want to, obviously it's a business model. Obviously they want to keep a thriving business. So if you uh, hand someone some shoes and say, you probably need to change those every 12 months, then they're a repeat customer and people believe that. But I do think that you know you know who you are. There's a lot of runners there that just want to buy shoes. They want to believe that. They're like, oh, great, 12 months, fantastic, get to buy some new shoes, get to feel that cushioning, get to feel the 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 feeling, the positive feelings of a new shoe, opening up the box and wearing them for the first time and then heading out. I can't remember the first time, the last time I ran with new shoes, but I know people love that feeling. I know some people are material materialistic or want to rotate several different types of shoes. They have like five different shoes they rotate between up to you. That's your prerogative. Nothing wrong with that. But I think this is why a lot of people, why these um, shoes are on rotation all the time and why people buy shoes very frequently. So four of those things, um, it's what people have been taught, cherry picked facts. Sometimes shoes want to sell shoes and uh, shoe stores want to sell shoes and runners want to buy shoes. So, what naturally would I talk about now is like, when should you change your shoes? What do I think? And what I think follows what Jay Fasculier had when he was on the podcast. I think it was episode, I want to say 70. Um, I have a game with myself when it comes to the podcast and it's around um, when someone recommends or, or someone approaches me on social media and says, oh, I have shin splints. What should I do? And I try and guess the episode where, or the episodes where shin splints were happening. And I, I, I'm getting quite good at it. So JF Schoolier, I'm not going to look it up. I reckon it's maybe set episode 72. 
in the neighborhood around there. Um, I'll look after this recording and see how far off I was, but it's a new game I've just created for myself. Um, okay, so my advice that I have for runners is exactly the same as what Jay Fasculia has taught me and what he believes. And he's recommended this on the podcast before, but he's recommended um, usually three things when people should change their shoes. One, the shoe itself becomes uncomfortable because we want to run in comfortable footwear. So if the level of wear and tear has become so much that you're now not really finding them comfortable, you're finding them uncomfortable. I shouldn't say not comfortable, uncomfortable, you should change them. Two, if it alters your normal biomechanics and there will get to a point where the shoe itself becomes like as it slowly starts to get older, natural wear and tear starts to occur, your biomechanics will very slowly change, very slowly change. Like I said, over the course of a thousand Ks, your shoes might increase the amount of pronation that you have by 10% slowly over a thousand Ks. It's a very slow, gradual thing, which is fine. However, they might get to a point where the level of wear and tear changes your mechanics, changes your biomechanics really quickly. Like all of a sudden, like if there's a small hole that appears on the side of your shoe and then all of a sudden you're not wanting to rip it more or you're wanting to avoid getting scuffs or scrapes or something like an abrasion in that hole and so you're changing your mechanics straight away, you need to change your shoes. That is a high risk of developing an injury if you start changing drastically how you're running. So that's the second one. The first one, if they become uncomfortable. Second one is if they change your normal biomechanics. The third one is if they show significant wear and tear. And I had a patient last week who came in and I had a look at her shoes and she had three rips on her shoe. One was on the, two of them were on one side. One of them was on the other side of the shoe and you could see her socks. And I think that's significant wear and tear. It's probably warranted change, probably warranted new shoes. Um, significant wear and tear underneath the sole. So like if you chew through the, the first layer and you can start seeing a changing color of the sole itself because the um, the second layer usually has different different properties, different textures. Um, you can usually see when it cuts through that. And with these three, um, it doesn't matter about duration, doesn't matter about mileage, doesn't matter about technique. Um, so I think the results speak for themselves. Like the shoe will tell you the story. The shoe will tell you about your mileage, about your um terrain about your surface about your running technique and we'll tell you it's time to get a new shoe so all of those theories before are now redundant all you need to do is just have a look at your shoe pay attention to your shoe listen to your shoe and when it's time to change then you can change uh, lastly i just want to talk about other occasions when you might want to change your shoes because it's not necessarily about wear and tear. It's not necessarily about when they get too old. There might be other circumstances when you do want to change your shoes. So number one, if you're injured, if you want to overcome your injury, if you are developing the same type of injury over and over and over again, there are certain shoes. You can change the properties of your shoes to shift the load away from that injured site and to other areas of the body. So for instance, if you have Achilles tendinopathy, you might want to 
change, if you are struggling to manage Achilles tendinopathy, if you've tried all the right things and it's still not getting better, or if it gets better but then returns several times a year, you might want to change your shoe properties to offload the Achilles a little bit and change the load shifted to somewhere else. And that might be a little bit more of a supportive shoe, might be a higher heel drop, um, might be maybe a softer type of property underneath the heel, something to, to help you manage that. And we can do that with a lot of injuries, but this is where a tailored discussion is required because it will depend on the injury, the severity, how long you've had it for, your um, natural cadence or foot strike. And this is where the tailored discussion needs to be had, but maybe a circumstance where you might want to change your shoes. The second one is try if you want to try something new, a lot of people say, I just want to try minimal shoes ago. Not too sure why. Just want to give it a try and see if it, if I enjoy it. So that might be another reason. And the third is if you want to increase your running performance, you might want to slowly transition to a shoe that's a bit lighter if you want to increase your performance or maybe you want to go to one of those super shoes. Um, that's another reason why you might want to change your running shoes if you want to increase running performance. And so just to summarize, a couple of theories why people um, that's, I guess, circulated in the running community of when you should change your shoes. One's duration, time-based. We've already knocked that out and consider why, considered why it's not really that effective. Two is mileage, but mileage, there's still a lot of factors, some really important factors that it doesn't include, like your technique and like the surface that you run on. Losing cushioning and wear and tear. Like I say, a lot of people change their shoes out way too early when it comes to showing mild signs of losing cushioning or wear and tear. And it's more the shoe adapting to you and you adapting to the shoe at the same time, which in my eyes is a good thing. And so keep that in mind. If you do need to change your shoes or, or you th you're wondering if you change your shoes, ask yourself those questions. Is it uncomfortable? Is it now uncomfortable? Is it now changing your mechanics? You might need to see a health professional for that because you might be changing your mechanics and not know about it. Um, probably get a, a gait analysis or a running analysis. Don't go to a shoe store and ask them because they'll say, you know, you need new shoes straight away without even looking at you. And um, if it shows significant wear and tear, significant rips, um, wear and tear underneath the soles is probably warranted to warranted some new shoes. Hope that was insightful. Hopefully I've taught you something new. I, I know a lot of these little concepts of sort of, um, put into a lot of different episodes. I've talked about these in the past, but I haven't really consolidated into one entire episode and repetition is really good for, for learning as well. So hope you enjoyed as we sign off. Remember every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. We'll catch you next time. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path. <laughs>